welcome to this Diversity and Inclusivity Finance Forum podcast. Working for difference, making business better and fairer. The DIFF series of podcasts is aimed at helping people from underrepresented groups get into and get on in the mortgage and protection industry. And to help everyone understand why genuinely prioritizing diversity is good for all of us individually, good for your business, and good for the mortgage market as a whole. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals participating and not necessarily of their respective companies, either past or present. Hello, and welcome back to the DIFF podcast on Invisible Differences, which this month is covering fertility challenges. Thank you to those who have listened to part one. We are now back with the amazingly courageous Sarah Hartwell and Steph Sharman, who will continue to share their stories and experiences with us. So Sarah, um, Steph, thank you once again for being with us. Steph, after sharing your story with us, I think there were many things as you went through that I'd like to kind of speak to you about. But one of the things was that after you lost Isabel and you decided to come back to work, you said that you felt really alone and that you were in a busy office surrounded by people, but those people would maybe know not what to say to you and, you know, would possibly walk out of the room because they didn't know how to approach you and all you wanted was normality and to be able to talk about what had been on the television the evening before. So what would have been better? What with this podcast, we want to kind of educate people on how to approach their colleagues who are going through loss and other things. And of course, everyone's situation is different. But for you, what do you think would have been a a better way for people to have approached you in this situation? And I think it's so, so difficult because people don't, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And actually... Losing a baby the way we lost Isabel is rare as well. So I think that's the the other part of it is it's not something that actually sometimes in your working life you'll ever come up against, but it goes across everything we're talking about here, whether it's IVF, whether it's miscarriage, whether it's sort of, you know, losing a a baby or a child. I think the only piece of advice I would be is to, to people just to try and treat that person normally as much as you can and just talk to them. You'll soon get a gauge as to whether they want to talk or they don't want to talk. And if you don't want to talk about what's happened, that's fine as well. Nobody would expect everybody to want to sit down and have a full-on conversation around it. So don't be scared that by talking to that person, they're then going to want to offload everything onto you. So I think the other thing as well is, you know, something we've introduced here at SBG, not just for this, but across the piece, is, is we've introduced wellbeing champions, which is people that, you know, you can talk to confidentially around any issue that you might be having. Could something like that, if if I'd have known there was somebody that I could go and speak to, then at least I wouldn't have felt quite so alone on a daily basis because I knew there was one person that I could go and speak to. And even then, maybe they'd see, other people would see me sat in the kitchen having a coffee with that person. Oh, okay, Steph wants to talk. Oh, I wonder what they're talking about. That person could have then included more people in that conversation. It was a bit of an icebreaker, I suppose, for want of a better way of putting it. 
that sounds like sound advice. And actually, you you wonder why more businesses don't have, as you say, that well-being officer who can or representative or host of representatives who can be there. Sarah, what do you think about that? Do you think that it would have helped you to have had a designated person or just even knowing that someone in HR was available for you to speak to through the whole of your journey and the different things you went through? Yeah, I do think so. And, you know, the one throwaway comment definitely was me was, you know, when people were being nice and said, oh, you know, my wife was, uh, she's had two miscarriages. We've got, you know, gone on to have our healthy children. That was the worstest for me because obviously that was very different. It was, it was, you know, we knew how many eggs we did. We knew how many we're going to be. It feels like it was forever ago. And, you know, I worked for a very large organisation and I'm sure they probably have got things in places, you know, here at Vida, they've had an amount of people train as mental health first aiders, which I did myself. And it it's a really good two days training and stuff. And I and yeah, you know, it it's like Steph says, maybe you don't want to talk, but I think it is always an option to have someone to talk to. I was very lucky as well. Um, Danielle, I had private medical insurance. So I ended up going for something called EMDR, which um, through the trauma clinic, that's when they diagnosed with me with post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is a treatment for PTSD. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned when we were talking previously about this, that I felt guilty that I had PTSD. Every brochure or anything you see has someone that's in the military having PTSD. So I was like, this is imposter syndrome. How can I have PTSD? I've just been through six rounds of IVF and had a miscarriage and had a breakdown. You know, how can I have that? But, you know, I was lucky because I did have that option. But as we were talking about maybe more junior people, etc., they might not have that option of private health insurance where you can get it straight away. Whereas we all know if we go to the GP and you have to try and get a counsellor or, or something through the NHS, it can take quite a long time. So I think, yeah, having someone there... The only thing I probably would do, maybe this is something, you know, we can talk about on another thing is in the mental health, you don't talk about baby loss or anything. And maybe that's something they should bring in when they are training people is maybe just one person can have training on being able to, because it is, you know, it's a, it's a different loss, I think. And I think it would help if someone was you know not taught but maybe had a bit of training how to deal with sort of fertility miscarriage etc it sounds to me that that is it's key because as I said I think in our introduction you know you don't know what you don't know and therefore it is so important to educate and and just generally that's what I'm hearing you know before I sat down with with the two of you I did my own research and I was really shocked by kind of some of the stats and the understanding I've developed is one that I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't doing this and actually you know I think we all need to have this understanding because actually it affects so many people and only then can we kind of understand the best support that we can give our employees through these really challenging circumstances which you haven't chosen to go through these things. 
And I think the other thing is that it's quite clear that this stays with you. So it's about, you know, how support and policy can be offered at the time, but then also ongoing. Steph, I I can understand that, you know, with Isabel, different birthdays, and you mentioned her, you know, she's going to be 10 to 16, how that can have an impact on you. And can you tell us about the way that maybe at the moment with SPG that that's approached or how you would like it to be? Yeah, I mean, anniversaries and birthdays are always always the hardest. I mean, every day, every day. And there can be triggers that you just don't know about. And I think that's the, they're the ones that sort of knock you sideways because you're not expecting them. But Isabel also passed away on Valentine's Day. So we do make a little bit of a joke about it at home. We pop up to see her and my husband always sort of says, um, you know, you know, always gives her a little bit of a thank you and says, thank you, sweetheart. You saved me a fortune on flowers for mummy this week, this year. So we've made our own little way of coping with it. It probably sounds quite macabre, actually, but it's our little way of, of having a little joke. But as you can imagine, Valentine's Day, when you work in an office, is very, very hard because you're surrounded by people getting flowers and etc. And you're not, again, you don't want to take away from those people getting their flowers. But for you, it's really hard. I think when you go through this journey, and Sarah touched on this when we spoke before, Once you start to go through the the loss like this, it's visible. So everybody knows your journey. But then when you change jobs, maybe not so much. So once I moved from my previous employer to SBG, nobody here knew. So then you have to decide, well, when's the right time? Is there a right time? Should I or shouldn't I tell my story and tell people? But over time, things come out. And um, I've been very, very fortunate. I've worked for fantastic managers here who allow you just to be who you need to be as and when and where. So whether that's take the day off as a well-being day, whether that's just work from home, do you know, what support do you need? Do you actually just need somebody to talk to? Do you need somebody to talk to about something that isn't work, isn't Isabel, it's something else? So it's back to that, you know, support. Where do you need to be? Where do you need to be to be Steph and be happy? And I think you can't have a written policy for that. But what you can have is flexibility. And I think, you know, that's the one thing we're talking about here. It's about you don't know somebody's journey. You don't have to have hard and fast rules. It's just about giving managers the discretion, giving HR the discretion to be flexible with what that person needs as and when they need it. And as I said, it it might not be on a set date. It could be at any point in time. And that rings so true. I think, you know, giving people that flexibility to basically allow them to bring their whole self to work. And I think this is the time to also talk about your partners and and men. In general, you've both spoken about them in each of your stories. But, you know, I I guess that's a really key part to, to each of your journeys. But I can only imagine, and I may be wrong, but the support for them in this is probably lesser than it was even for for you. So that's a, an element that we need to take on board. People's partners, be they be men, women, you know, whatever journey um, people are going through. Sarah, do you want to talk to us about Stuart? Yeah, of course. I mean, Stuart was working full time, the same as I am. So he was taking his holidays to Barcelona. And, and, and I think in a, men talk about it less, but 
a big company's made an announcement today about they're bringing in a policy and it's going to include partners. And And I think we've mentioned this when we've been discussing about this podcast is, you know, women are going through the physical facts of fertilities and, you know, all that's happening to their bodies. But the men are going through the mental, you know, they, they are suffering the loss or the loss of, you know, IVF, the loss of the baby. So their productivity at work might still be affected. You know, they might not be able to concentrate. They might not be able to get over to the hospital. They want to attend. Maybe they want to go to all the appointments with their wife or girlfriend, but they can't because they have to work out, you know, their timings, etc. And And I think not really sort of wanting to generalize but I think we all find that men don't talk about these things or are as open as women but I do think that's changing because then you know if we see on social media so many more men are talking about mental health which I think is really good but it is that thing isn't it It's, it's not just a woman thing is it it's a man thing they suffer just as much just not the physical things really yeah, but the emotional side is still very Absolutely. much yeah. prevalent. And Steph, I, I presume your husband had a, a hugely difficult journey um, with you through all of this as well. What was the support like for him? When we first had Isabel, his work, he doesn't work there anymore. They were absolutely shocking. They gave him two weeks paternity leave. And then after that, told him that he had to go and get signed off sick if he needed to take any more time. Which he did. He got signed off sick for eight weeks with stress. So then not only did we have the emotional and the worry and everything else that was going on at the time, but also there's this financial impact as well, because now I'm on statutory maternity pay and he's on statutory sick pay. I mean, so there was no enhancement on that. So you eat through your savings very, very quickly, which is not something you want to have to worry about. You want your priorities to be elsewhere. And that has lasting impact as well. You know, even now, you know, you have that on your GP record. It wasn't stress as such in anything that would be deemed to impact his health in any other way. It was obviously, he was incredibly stressed with the situation at hand. And I think that mental health piece for partners is really, really important. And it is invisible as well. If you can see what's going on from a female perspective, Men don't need to share that story or that journey at all. My husband, he really struggled, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, for him, he was the man. He was supposed to fix all of this. He was supposed to step in and fix it and make it all right, and he couldn't. There was nothing he could do, no matter how much he wanted, wished, prayed for, which would make it all better apart from being there and being supportive. So I think if somebody had been there for him to talk to or just knowing that there was somebody there that he could go in vent, rant, cry, whatever that looks like. I think that would have been very, very important. So it's even more invisible for the partners. Yeah, I think that really resonates and and is very, very, very clear. I think what we've heard today, we are so grateful, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, um, for you both to have taken the time and sat down and discussed your journeys with us. But I really want to, as we come to close, to bring it back to what words of wisdom, what advice would each of you give to former employers or prospective employers to make sure that these people who are going through these journeys, these challenging circumstances, feel supported and don't feel as alone 
I'm sure they have somewhere to speak about these issues. Sarah, could I go to you first? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I want to say thank you to you, Danielle, for hosting what I can only say is a a difficult podcast. But I think that you bringing this to the forefront of people's minds as well and having Steph and myself as guests to talk about this is brilliant. Infertility is a passion of mine through what I've been through and what I've seen. So a couple of months ago, Laura Miller, who writes for The Times, did an interview with me and she used the word having a breakdown. And I remember reading it and I was like mortified. Oh, you can't print that. What are my future employees going to think? I'll never get a job again. And, And then I thought about it and I thought, what are you doing this for, Sarah? And you're doing this to raise awareness and help people. So I let it go out there and I had 27 and a half views on it on LinkedIn and lots and lots of messages about people that were going through the same thing and even my CEO at Vida Anthony sent me a message saying that he was so proud of me talking up and could I work with HR on the policy that if another Sarah came along and and I think that's not just at work that can be at home I think a lot of time I was lucky at Nationwide, I got paid for sick pay, they had occupational therapy. But what about those people that do have to have six months and they only have a month's pay in place and and then their firm doesn't make contact them, they don't have those sort of things in and they're very lonely at home. So I think all these things need to be taken into place. And I've been looking at fertility in the workplace and their statistics and you know I've been working with a girl that sent me all the policies and I think putting these policies into place can be quite financially so even if you can't do that because you know the financial cost is so much we do need to maybe have a fertility expert in the workplace someone that can talk to people and I'm hoping with what Steph and I have you know we've bared our souls today that this does help people to bring these things into the workplace and it couldn't have come at a better time today it was like it was meant to the co-op have actually announced that they have brought in a fertility policy so 60% of their staff have been given paid leave for fertility and that's partners and that's been championed by their CEO so I think if you've got one person who works in a place that is very passionate about it these things can happen. Thank you Sarah I couldn't agree more and Steph do you have anything to add? Yes, I'd echo all of Sarah's comments there, including the thank you for letting us come and join you today. I think stats that I read, one in six couples would experience some sort of fertility issue. Um, so trying to conceive, and you think about the average age of those people, you know, the majority will be in the working population. So Sarah's quite right. You know, not all businesses can afford to give people paid time off. But for me, I don't think it's all about that. You know, I touched on it before. It's about flexibility and HR policy covers sick pay and the numbers of days absence but I think it's more around the mental support and confidential support as well so one of the pieces I saw as I was doing a lot of research was around the fears if you tell your employer unconsciously and you know we talk a lot about unconscious bias and things like unconsciously you believe that you might not get onto the next project or you might not get that role because you fear that they know you're now trying for a baby. Sarah spoke before about, you know, this is something that's normally quite private, where actually everybody knows your whole life is exposed and you, you feel that's going to hold you back. So I think for me, it's around, you know, what can you put in place that provides those 
whether it's a family-friendly ambassador or confidentiality of support at the same time as raising awareness and having a flexible approach. Thank you so much, both of you, again, for your time today. And I think this will really kind of make a difference to a lot of our listeners. So thank you to you to being part of it. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If any of the issues which we have covered in today's podcast have affected you or those close to you and you would like some additional support, please visit our website where there are some useful links.